Caviezel in the news lately. <laughs> this following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. remember the big moments in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Nobody. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest Movie Microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I'm your gracious host. Alongside me, the penetratable, inflatable, irreputable, completely engageable, and secret compartment-laden Justin Waddell. How's it going? You know, it's going, man. It's going. I got the second dose. How's it feel? Is it moving around in you? Didn't get too sick from it, you know? I, didn't, I feel a little bit achy, but that's about it. I moved on. Yeah. I got the second dose. That's what sec. That's how you say second in Spanish. And then they, I know. And then they said, as soon as you got the second dose, they're like, "Gonna need a third." By the way, just a yeah. little bit later on, gonna need a yeah. third at my house in my sexual room. How's the? How's the? You 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 are still unvaxed, but how's the fam? They're what how's they are. They're fine. Any vax? Any vax by you? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird though. Ever since it happened, man, there's been people like watching us from cars outside. You know, like like parked cars. Mm. And I notice I hear breathing sometimes when I'm on the phone with somebody. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 You're under surveillance. Yeah. We did uh, it. Is that because you bought a Maximilian action figure or, <laughs> or model from Black Hole? Is that why you're under surveillance or is it something else? Uh, well, I, I was a grown man buying it. <laughs> what struck you is uh, about that, that you need to have it. Black Hole is kind of a significant movie in your life. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. But but Maximilian is even more so. And there's, you know, I, I've I've got a pretty good ability to not buy impulse shit like that anymore. But for right. some reason, seeing I was in um I was in t- I was in Nashville and I was waiting for an account, so I, I went into the Books a Million over there to get some coffee and all that. Yeah. And uh, I saw that, and and Chuck and there wasn't fancy. even a, there wasn't even a moment of where this thirty dollars was even a, a slight obstacle. I had to have it. Did you do him like they did at the end of the movie and surround him by flames and suggest that he's in hell? No. Or I, I mean, you put him in your house. Close, right? But yeah. seriously, though, that, that's what they do, right? They're, that's at the end of the movie, they say, don't worry, guys. Max Million went, went to hell. The robot went to hell. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is the, the toy comes with two heads. Right. And one of the heads, you could see a human head inside the visor. You can? I don't remember that being a part of the movie at all. And I've watched it somewhat recently. Are they suggesting we, there's a person inside Maximilian? Yeah, did we do this yet? We haven't done that one yet. Black Hole? Mm-mm. We need to. Uh, I watched it recently and was super disappointed, but I still want to do it because I have a song for it. <laughs> I always had a, I always had a special place in my heart for old Bob. I know. The decrepit robot and that. You I hate know. him, right? Voiced I don't by hate- Slim Pickens. Voiced uh, by Slim Pickens. Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. I When I was a kid, I loved old Bob. And as a matter of fact, 
whenever I would see a, a, even a, a, a remotely decrepit car or building, I always called it old Bob. Did you? you know? Yeah, it was it's basically the, the universal sign for a, a busted up ride or something like that. You know, a beater, a beater. I always, they say. I always loved those robots because they had the extendable cannibal feet. That's what they're called? Extended, extendable cannibal feet? But isn't that right? They're not. I, they don't make sense. It's it's the dumbest shit I've ever seen. But I love oh, it. I love the way it looks. Which makes me wonder how Disney Plus hasn't launched Young Bob, the series. <laughs> You've been catching up on Disney Plus. They're putting they're putting out um Marvel shows at a, at a speedy clip here. Not speedy enough. You want them all the time. I want. No, yeah. What we have to wait like three weeks between Winter Soldier and Loki and some dog. That's it. I think it's it was two weeks between WandaVision and Winter Soldier. Wow. That's that's excruciating. Like you should be reaching for your remote to change the station and Disney Plus to say, "Wait a minute, I got Loki here just for you." I wonder what other uh, shows they'll they'll give us. What's up? What else is in the works? Well, they have She Hulk. They have it's Tatiana Mosley with Mark Ruffalo and other people in it. You got uh, what else? There's, oh, there's Masselini, Tatiana Masselini. Well, yeah, whatever her, her stinking name is. Is she's in that? Is her? She's the Hulk. I didn't know this. Well, remember, remember, she was the number one candidate for Rogue One. Everybody was all that's all they were talking about. She must have been on the, the list. She didn't make it. She they knew they'd save her for something good. So we got after Loki is Hawkeye. Oh, that's right. Hawkeye actually is in production. That's right. And I gotta hope he performs some of his hits. Um, and then the what if, the, the what if animated series, then She Hulk, then Moon Knight. Oh God, then, they do have a lot in the works. Then Ms. Marvel, and then Secret Invasion and then Armor Wars, and then Ironheart, and then I Am Groot. Those are all already officially launched. You're joking, right? The last, no, last every single, no, not at all. Remember? I Am Groot? They're going to make a Groot show? It's a, it's a cart, is it a cartoon? No, it's a, it's, it's a series. It's a series of shorts on Disney+. Plus. But yeah, the rest of them are all on the way, and they're all interesting. Did so. James Gunn talk about how he turned down the opportunity to make a Marvel show? He didn't want to, no, but no one asked. <laughs> it just wasn't. Uh, didn't fit my schedule. I didn't really want. To, I didn't really see myself wanting to make a Marvel show at this at this juncture. Oh, James, we're just seeing how your day was. Anyway, so who has the bigger ego right now in movie making? Do you think it's James Gunn or do you think it's uh, Don't Zack even. Snyder? Don't even. I mean, Snyder is a little bit. He's who got some their, issues. Let me put it this way: Who puts their names on like the posters more? That's a, that's that's like a tie. <laughs> James Gunn, because I, I actually have personal, I know them both. I've, I've had spent time with them both. You spent time with Zack Snyder, huh? Remember, I was in the set of Batman v Superman for like two weeks. Yeah, but it doesn't mean you spent time with the man. And I also... Um, we did interview him probably, yeah. I, spent, I, I interviewed him quite a bit and I followed him around the set. But also he and I, uh, we share a tattoo parlor. You know, we both get our, our ink at the same place. <laughs> That's right. Snyder's a big tattoo guy. And then... Uh, you got the sleeves, got, right? You got the sleeves. He does now, yeah. It's all it's all uh, Joss Whedon properties. His tattoos are based on, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, well, no, it's funny. Is he gets a tattoo, right? And mm-hmm. and when, when it's almost done, and then he gets knocked out by the tattoo artist, and then Joss Whedon comes in and suggests how to finish that tattoo, and then he wakes up and he's blown away. He's like, "I can't believe you added boobs to Don Cheadle." And then so he has got to go back and get a tattoo removal, get the new. You know, the new flat chest put back onto Don Cheadle. Yeah. See, I met him at the parlor, though, because I, I have them in size. They they cut a flap of skin open and they tattoo the inside and then they sew it back up. So no. Well, you 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 don't do it anything easy. You'd like to go hardcore. Yeah, on stuff. I do. I do inside tats. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And you got, you're just like the illustrated man, except you can't see any tattoos because they're all on the inside. Right, right. By the way, has anybody pitched the illustrated men too? Because can you imagine this lady's neck starts to bulge out and then it just a tattoo like, you know, just boom, here, here, I love dad. And then it just starts to happen all over. And then an Indian medicine individual comes out. Is he tattooed as well? No, he's, 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 he's secreted all the tattoos onto her flesh from within. Fair enough. Yeah. I was thinking that you were just asking legitimately about uh, did anybody ever make an illustrated man too, which would be, I guess the two, it would follow two plot lines. It could be either he's like, I made a huge mistake and he's getting them removed in the entire movie or somebody, he goes to a tattoo specialist and was like, can you find, I need one more tattoo in there somewhere. Can you find an inch? Give me something, you know? And he goes, well, your girlfriend told me where I could find an inch. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to do a skin graft and, or, you know, attach a piece of flesh hanging out from the tip of your nose and then tattoo that something like that, you know, cause yeah. he's got no more room left, Nick. Right. Right. He's the illustrated man. And I think it would be funny if he went blind, you know, like that would be mm -hmm. the ultimate fuck you by nature. You know, the guy's right. finally got his entire body all tatted out and then he is stricken with blindness and can't enjoy it. And then he goes to the tattoo shop. He's like, you know, make sure you put that badass dragon on my back. And he can't be sure if they're zapping him with uh, Sally from Peanuts or something. You know, right. he's all paranoid. Yeah. Or maybe just like, he's like, that doesn't feel like the shape of a dragon that you're tattooing. Uh, it says something like, you know, I founded the clan, you know, or like uh, ghost or super, you know, just some crazy thing. Gets it's him in all sorts of trouble. You do hear about this, that tattoo artists do play tricks on people. Like with Chinese uh, language writing, they'll put like a phrase that is supposed to mean meaningful, but it's it's an actual a diss on your yeah. body. You do hear this. Yeah. Like I, I paint without primer, you know, shit like that. Like <laughs> super cell phones. Shane Carruth, by the way. <laughs> Me too. That It kind of, it was a blip a little bit. Because uh, he's so, no one gives yep. a shit about Shane Carruth, and yeah. he can't. He makes a movie every twelve years, right? And then when he does, a couple of people on the on Twitter are like, "This is amazing." But he got me tooed because he's a bit of an ass, I guess. He, he's a, a, a abuser, and but you missed it. You missed it because he's just he's Shane Carruth. No one gives a fuck. No one cares about him. Right? Oh, he's oh he's never going to work again. Who gives a flying? You know. Although I have to admit, I still from time to time after when I'm on the John, I'll break out the crayons yeah and and uh, color in my upstream coloring book <laughs> but uh he um apparently a bit of a fucking douchebag well bon we'll, voyage motherfucker yeah we'll we'll save his films for much later in the in the arc of the movie microscope which is a show where we zoom in we watch mm -hmm. a film through plexiglass chests and feed on each other's thoughts until the perfect pancetta comes out. And we uh, we writhe around each other until the, the rhythmic thumping stops within us and we watch a film with a, a sense of glory and punishment. Decide what makes or breaks and share what the likes of you. So if we're watching her alibi. We wouldn't talk about the scene where Paulina Poroskova falls down an elevator shaft and grabs onto Tom Selleck's mustache just in time. And then she descends 600 feet hanging onto that mustache. Oh, wow. And is deposited gently on the ground because as you see, and as we discuss Tom Selleck's entire body is hair on the inside. And yeah. so she just rides that ever telescoping grip of hair. So the mustache right. goes into his face and into his entire body, and she gently, you know, rides it down. And then I, the remember, I remember, I remember the scene. You don't think and then it. at 598 feet, 
you start to see his asshole start to come in, like pucker in because she's reached mm-hmm. the end of the rope and it's starting to tug at his buns. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I remember, remember like it was yesterday seeing that movie. Yeah, suggestive that I, I like, I always like that movie that suggests that Tom Selleck was kind of the male Rapunzel, you know, mm-hmm. from the fairy tale, you know, with his mustache. And yeah. that's what, and he got tired of that. Remember, he said that, that famous quote, I'm tired of being the male Rapunzel in all these films. Right. <laughs> That's why he turned down Cliffhanger, because he th- th- he hates two things, cold weather and being used as a mustache ride downhills. <laughs> a mustache ride hey, definitely hey. is a dirty, like kind of a dirty term, typically, except when it comes to Selleck. That's it leans more towards the Rapunzel aspect. Yeah. You I, know? Can you, now, Tom Selleck was in therapy after that movie, by the way, for years. Mm-hmm. Cause he asked her out on the set. She's like, you're not my type. And then he looked at her, uh, wedding photos and it was rick Ocasek. you're not my type i'd rather marry jack skellington peter mayhew lookalike yeah um i don't i think that they had a bit of a troubled marriage too I, i'm not sure but i think rick Ocasek might have been a bit of a philanderer or something i can't, I, I might be wrong about this when you R. when, R. You, when you all right yeah. i'm talking out of school i don't really know this when thing. you look like that you can't just keep it in one hole that, no, that's a, that's a, a lyric from a Cars song. By the way, one of the great bands of all time. One of the absolute, so? I love them so much, so much. Mm-hmm. She found his body. They were in like divorce proceedings and she found That took his, a turn. That took a turn, She didn't found it? the shit out of him. Going from praising the Cars to she found his body, exclamation point. <laughs> okay. Well, we're a I show that, the- we're, we're a show that prides herself on brevity. Yeah, whiplash. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is true. I, they weren't necessarily, I don't think they were together at the time, but they were still obviously connected. They weren't. And she, yes, yeah, she found them. I always liked her. She's obviously very pretty, but I always thought she was kind of cool. Yeah, she's fine. She didn't have much of a movie career, right? No, she had dick. I mean, she, 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 she did her alibi and she did that other, she did like two or three other things and then disappeared. She's still working. Like she's still acting every once in a while. I don't think she, I think she still models. Well, she, she was a model. She was an actress when it made, when it made sense, but she was out there to look good on magazines and to raise the, the delightful children of Rick Ocasek. I'd be interested to see if she's actually still acts every once in a while. Yeah. That sounds like a good usage of your downtime. I was going to Google it. I bet I should follow her on Insta. You know, she's on there. Her her post today, her post today. It was a, it was, a, she did an Instagram stories and it's her out with her kids in the garden. And she goes, I found the body. Oh my God. Well, <laughs> regular stand by me over here. <laughs> she, that's her catchphrase now, by the way. So tell me about your relationship with today's feature. Nobody. I mean, I don't have much of one. I, I just like Bob Odenkirk, you know, and I saw it because I like him. Well, I saw it because of our show. I mean, we do provide a service. We need, need to get the word out to the public yeah. about what to zoom in on so they'll know when they see this. But other than that, I you know, I just saw it because I like old Bob Odenkirk. Always have since he arrived on the scene as a writer back in the day and still do like him mm-hmm. as an actor these days, more or less. He does mostly acts, I think. Yeah, he's at, yeah, we, we, you know, we both listened to a couple of the podcasts he did in the past weeks promoting this. Mm-hmm. He, still, he still tickles the keyboard. He still he still writes stuff. What's your history? Uh, years, just years of, of anticipation. Well, honestly, no, I, he this sort of was done on the sly. Mm-hmm. But I remember somebody, this was like about a year or and change ago, somebody was talking about the shape he was in. I think it was somebody on, on Better Call Saul. 
in an interview or whatever was talking about what great shape he's in mm-hmm. yeah, and, they, and then he was working he was it was for a role and the the people would not expect and then so as soon as this thing was announced it was a no-brainer and of course because they have the the writer of the john wick films and the director of hardcore henry a great music video director it's wonderful you know you, i think this is still residual good vibes coming out of liam neeson I think yeah, I think you know. the I mean I think he really did pave the way for a lot of bad and a lot of really fun opportunities to see people in roles that you normally wouldn't expect to see him in. And that's why I'm I'm, I'm excited about David Cross's tentacle porn that he's doing. It's nice to hear from those interviews that we've we've been listening to lately that they still Odenkirk and Cross still work together still or have plans for the future, you know, cuz they've done a lot of great work in the past, so. Yeah, I um, think I, I don't know much about Odenkirk's voice as a solo guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I, I know he collaborates a lot and he does a lot of stuff for other people. But I know that Cross's humor, it's usually really great, but there's a lot you have to endure to get to the great. I think there's a, a lack of polish on some of his stuff, and I'm sure that's part of the deal. I still don't necessarily know what Odenkirk's voice is in the in the pantheon of comedy. You know, I know that his, he owes a debt to Monty Python and all this and that. But I think that's what's so cool is that because he's behind the, the lens and behind the keyboard a lot of the time, um, he still is able to do stuff and and it seems fresh and new because his brand is so wide. Yeah, they don't think, they, you know, with their, that partnership, they said they don't think about it too much. I, I think that Cross's humor is more acerbic, obviously, and angrier, where Odenkirk's more absurdist. Odenkirk has been like a big, like, he always, like, he supported Tim and Eric, like, early on. He found those guys, actually. And he is just one of these guys that just supports comedy. And is always trying to give people opportunities like he's and he doesn't talk about that too much. Like, it's not like he's out there talking about it. He just does it. And, um, you know, he's kind of helped people with their careers. I'm not sure. I know Tim and Eric is a big example, but or big examples. But he's done that for, I guess, a lot of people. And he's a director. I mean, like, that's the thing that I forgot that he had directed some movies. Yeah, nothing I've seen. Let's go to prison. And what was the other one? The Brother Solomon. Brother Solomon, both of them I've seen. Both of them are fun movies, but I can't remember them too well. I don't. I remember uh, Brother Solomon more, so I, I'd actually want to go back to Let's Go to Prison because he's kind of proud of that movie. Well, the funny thing is, is here living here in Atlanta on the radio since since I was a kid, right. are these radio advertisements for Solomon Brothers Jewelers? Yeah. So I, every time I hear that movie, it gives me like a knee jerk, hateful reaction to those <laughs> commercials. So yeah, so this this is a. a a movie that was delayed a little bit by the pandemic, one that he trained for two years for, and a, a great opportunity for him to expand what he what he's capable of. And man, he, he I think he pulls it off with in, in spades. Yeah, they assembled a pretty good cast, and it's like a certainly feels like a John Wick movie. It, maybe I was expecting it to be a little bit more absurdist or like kind of tongue in cheek than it was, but it's definitely a, you know fun movie, kind of a fun movie to watch. And Odenkirk, like I guess he kind of told. Listen, you know, you listen to that Conan thing. He said he kind of one of the reasons he wanted to do it is so he could like he know his old he 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 knew his old writing buddies would just get such a kick out of him being like an action star. Well, and it's also um, based on something that actually happened to him. You know, it is. So. Yeah, yeah. His home was invaded. He said twice in one year. He said they still have him. His family still kind of unchanged or haven't gotten over it because it was right. so scary. And it happened a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because the scene in this movie it's it's scary ish, but it's not harrowing like i would have expected and and that's actually the one of the things i like about the movie the the basic premise is that he's a as justin would say a 'er ne'er-do-well who just goes about his life you know going through the grind there's a montage that starts to film off with him basically going through his mundane existence his wife doesn't really acknowledge him his kids don't really his daughter does but his son doesn't really respect him 
he happens to wake up one night right as a, a couple of people are invading his house. Based on his lack of reaction in that, uh, basically forces him to uncover this dormant badass that, that's been inside him. Well, it's interesting. I, I think the movie kind of surprised me a couple of times. That was one of them, is that you kind of get the sense from the trailer that he didn't do anything because he's scared. He, his son actually reacts and, and tackles one of the burglars, and Odenkirk doesn't. He just lets them go. You know, he lets them threaten him. He lets them walk away, tells his son his son not to, uh, you know, to do anything. The, the burglar then punches his son in the face, that kind of stuff. But then you find out later that the reason he didn't do anything is because he knew that the burglars were pretty harmless. Like they weren't going to do anything. And he didn't want to react strongly because he he figured out, as you find out later in the movie, that it's going to draw him back into this lifestyle that he kind of likes, which is to be violent and to be... Did it remind you of uh, a history of violence at all? Uh, yeah, to an extent. Uh, the, the, and, and of John Wick, surprisingly. It reminded me of uh, several films. And I, I think a history of violence being one of them. I think this movie's stronger in its first half for sure. And I think that the, that's where the kind of the scenes that I like the most are from. I don't know if it's the, the quality of the director or the fact that they had assembled a great technical team mm -hmm. because the, the polish of the film, the swagger of the film, the editing, the music, some of this stuff like that helps alleviate an awful script. Yeah. A, a really poorly thought out plot it's a little messy it doesn't there's stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense but that's okay because odenkirk's so charismatic and and the character a lot of the characters are really like even the bad guy the bad guy they have bad a good bad guy in this. fantastic yeah and so there's a there's a even the guys in the bus like they do a good job with the character work in this movie. i do but the thing is and, and you know and also we shouldn't ex we shouldn't hold these kind of genre films up to the same scrutiny with a drama or a movie from you know mm -hmm. filmmaker x but there are some things that really surprised me especially in today's day and age obviously i guess they were able to make this with a lot of autonomy because it doesn't reek of studios at all it doesn't feel like there was ever an executive making any decisions on this thing which is cool and 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 there's a, a like a like i said a swagger to it it's about a guy getting his mojo back right this is which is you know and that's the thing is it kind of underplays it a little bit that part and it's, it's surprising along the way one of the things i liked about the movie a lot was that he wants violence to break out he wants the opportunity to, to unleash his his background his skills but he doesn't want to he wants the decision made for him mm -hmm. and i love those moments in the movie where he's mad because things are getting in the way of that happening <laughs> Like he wants the bad guys to chase him at the end, but then there's a bus that blocks off the path and he's like so angry, you know, because he just wants everything to kind of get to the violence. I thought that was an interesting kind of a different take on a movie like in a movie like this. It definitely takes place in the same universe as John Wick in terms of yeah, the complete lack of police. It's kind of the reverse Wick where in the first... <laughs> yeah, the first John Wick, the gangster's son wrongs John Wick and that's the cause for vengeance, right? In this movie, Odenkirk takes out the bad guy's brother, but just by accident almost, right? Doesn't plan to. Right. And that, that wakens the bad guy up. Well, and it's a it's a cat and instead of a dog in this film. It's the reverse wick. You know what's funny I, though is this is another thing I really like is he's cool. He he, he yeah, you know, you, you you find out that he has a network of people that he's kind of connected to from his past. And there's a little bit of them of the outreach to him after his incident. He so he he decides to let it go, and then he finds out his daughter's bracelet was stolen, and it sets him off. And he goes, he reverse engineers where these people came from based on the tattoo. There's a great the original scene burglars, where, yeah, right. He, there's a great scene where they, he visits a tattoo shop, and the and the guys try to basically make him really uncomfortable. And then one of the guys there, a former veteran, sees the tattoo of the seven two on his sleeve and and on re sleeve, yeah. and retreats. And then he goes and confronts these folks, and it's obvious 
just that he has principles and he has a code or whatever. And and based on the fact they have a small child and that they're really ultimately harmless, he he goes outside. But what you're talking about, he goes outside and starts beating the shit out of a brick wall because he wants to get that demon out. Yeah, he wants to be violent and he realizes he can't unleash his violence on these original burglars because they are desperate people. They're trying to support a baby. They are not necessarily bad people. They're desperate. And so he can't kill them. He can't, like you said, can't unleash his violent side because it's just not just. So then he goes looking for a fight. So let's talk real quick. Let's back up and talk about who's in this movie. Connie Love. Nielsen. Love. Playing the uh, his wife. Very, thank- uh, very thankless role for her, but still it's great to see her. She quits herself quite nicely, but you're right. Not kind of an underwritten role for sure. Not surprisingly. Michael Ironside in this. Looking svelte. The RZA in this, who's kind of fun. Um, Christopher fucking Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd showing up. And then the bad guy we talked about, his name is Alexei Sarah Bryakov or something. Like he, I've never, obviously, he's a Russian actor, I guess. Very good in this. Very good. Looking and then looking a little bit like uh, Earth X version of Jared Harris. <laughs> and then um, a couple of the kind of the bad guys are recognizable, I think, from the John Wick movies. <laughs> like, I think they kind of reuse some of these henchmen from there, especially the guys on the bus, I think, do a great job. The, the gang of guys on the bus that he beats up, like the kind of the first violent action scene here. Those guys are great. They do a fantastic job. Yes. Getting, getting hammered. And then later on, in the, when they're in the hospital, the I best. think it's so great. The yeah. best. Yeah, we've established who's in it now. So after he doesn't engage that couple, he's on a bus, and then this Hummer like crashes into a pole next to the bus. And I thought, you know, just based on how many movies you watch where this shit happens, I thought, oh, that those two are coming to get him. And this is this is going to be the arc that there's there, he's going to unload, you know, he's going to unleash hell and all that. And no, we never visit. We never see this couple again for the rest of the movie, which is insanely great, even though it's right. the whole point of storytelling is to build something that evolves into something and they, they go the other way. So he just randomizes these villains like these villains show up as if rolled by a dungeon master and they come onto the bus. And that's where no, that's, great. that's yeah. where you're talking about Odenkirk kind of. So, yeah, so the this car crashes next to the bus that stopped or it stops the bus and this this summer and the gaggle of drunken bad guys roll out and Odenkirk's on the bus and he's like, please get on the bus, please get let them on the bus because he wants to fight these guys. And um, the bus driver does for some reason, lets them on and they start to threaten um, the people on the bus and especially this young woman that's drinking a soda. And so then Odenkirk. Ushers the driver off the bus, closes the door, takes his gun out, empties it in front of them, mm-hmm. and they get excited because there's like six of them. And so they get excited that there's going to be a fight. And Odin Kirk says, I'm going to fuck you up. And then it proceeds to get, you know, he gets hammered at first, but turns the tables. But, you know, this movie, this, this scene is great because what happens is he eventually gets thrown out of the bus's window and then gets back on the bus mm-hmm. after just dealing out some just punishment to these guys and he gets back on the bus and the one of the guys goes to his buddies he goes run because <laughs> he, he gets back gets back on but they that's when the violence really kind of for the first time it's turns from fists to like he's trying to kill these guys kind of like he's stabbing them choking them yeah and, and, uh, and the great thing is is you know he gets he, he gets his head thrown into a pipe at the very beginning of the fight it's messy as hell and, yeah, and i guess that, messy. if yeah. you don't know much about the movie you're expecting it to be one of those death wish type things or whatever. He gets a super lesson mm-hmm. that he ultimately gets revenge with these guys. But no, we quickly realize that not only is he perfectly capable of handling these five guys or whatever it is, but he's getting off on it, which is. Yeah. So and good. he, 
and they, you know, the, there's a great bit whenever he gets thrown out of the bus and they cut back to the bad guys and they are just destroyed. And the one guy goes, is it bad? Cause he is, he, he, I think he messed my teeth up. Is it bad? And they, they show his mouth. He's got just all his teeth are almost knocked out. Yeah. Yeah. There's just great little bits like that. Um, but you're right. I mean, Odin Kirk certainly is the aggressor. He's the, he starts the fight. Um, and it's for kind of unknown reasons at this point. You think it's because of, he feels, I guess, castrated a little bit by his life, I guess. Yeah. Um, his wife has put, or he, I don't know what, they sleep with a pillow in between them, like this pillow wall. Yeah, that's a big metaphor in this movie that that they, but you know, it's so great. And then of course. Doesn't nobody, make much he, sense to me though. He doesn't kill anybody on the bus, but he, he puts a guy in a situation where he would die and he gives him a damn tracheotomy on the bus, which is fantastic. Such a nice yeah, moment. That, that's the brother of the of the main bad guy. Um, oh, we didn't talk about his name yet. Hutch? His assumed identity. Hutch Mansell. Hutch Mansell. Yeah. yeah. And you know, eventually you find out that his background is that he is a government what Aud- spook? Like auditor. Auditor. He's like an assassin. That's the well, last person. Well, his son, his son, when his son is doing a report on um, he has to interview a former military person. Mm-hmm. He downplays, uh, Odenkirk downplays it at the kitchen table, saying he was just an auditor. Maybe you should talk to your brother, your, my, your, your uncle, or, or your grandfather, because Christopher mm-hmm. Lloyd is, is, is uh, Hutch's dad, and he has seen some time in different wards. And then, of course, the her, Connie Nielsen's brother is the stereotypical out-of-the-military alpha douche. Um, yeah, he, br- he busts out a gun at work, remember, and holds a gun to, at work. Yeah. Because Odenkirk works for the, his father-in-law and yep. with his brother-in-law, yeah. And but there's you can't all... bust a gun out of work. Come well, on. I mean, sure you can, but no. If you work at gun pointing, well, I guess you, yeah. <laughs> um, and and so there's all these little things meant to belittle Hutch as you know he's emasculated by his kid. He's emasculated by his relationship with his wife. She, she doesn't give him the coffee one morning, and then his next door neighbor is this guy who we. It blew me away that that this was never revisited. There's a lot of things they introduced they never revisit. Right. So I guess it's just a, a reason to introduce him to that car. But That's his next door yeah. neighbor is such an obvious cock, and you're totally waiting for Odenkirk to get his comeuppance on that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And instead, there's it, a bunch of people telling him what he should have done during well, that. There's a cop right that now. does it, which would never yeah. happen. But yeah. But um. Uh. At one point, Odenkirk's outside. And he's little match grilling his family. He's watching them through the window. Yeah, you know his own what, family. What was it? it? What was the term you said? Little match grilling. You know the little match girl. Remember that story? No. It's like an old story where it's a Christmas story. It's super sad where the little match girls look. She's poor and she's trying to make money on the street and she's looking into these families that are all, um, you know, eating Thanksgiving dinner and not letting her in. And then she dies of starvation or of the cold actually was she hot she dies of she actually dies from being cold exposure no yeah yeah zoom in why Um, isn't james gunn (laughs) well we 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 didn't talk about how he finds these original burger burglars he's he's hitting up tattoo parlors with a, a sketch of a tattoo that he spied on one of the burglars wrists right and um you know i just thought that was a nice tie into our show Okay. Our show is very tattoo heavy. It is. At the end. Mm. And wrist tattoos move the plot along twice in this film. Really? Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, this, this that scene on the bus, I always feel like American movies 
always are trying to reach the heights of like that, that original old boy scene, you know, where that long hallway visual. Yeah. Hallway scene. Mm-hmm. And I feel that this is reminiscent of that scene a little bit. The scene in the tattoo parlor. No, in the, on the bus. Oh. <laughs> you know, the, the bad guy just against everybody getting stabbed and beat up, but still persevering. And then everybody being scared of him. Right. And it's just one dude. Cause he's crazy. Yeah. You know? Um, and then after this bus scene, he goes to I his wife. That and, scene at the end with him and his daughter reminded me of old boy as well. Oh, God. <laughs> so he goes to his wife. He's all bloody. He comes home after this fight. And obviously she knows what he used to do. Like that's or at least she, she's she's used to patching him up a little bit. I yeah. think. I mean, at least they suggest that. And um, he says we haven't embraced for a long time. We haven't kissed in a long time. We haven't had sex. And months and we haven't made love in years as you yeah, said yeah which is a blistering critique <laughs> yeah he really lays it out doesn't he yeah well apparently not <laughs> and she's like um let me add a couple more pillows to the pillow wall tonight because <laughs> um I, f- I sense that you're getting a little bit frisky so uh-huh. turned out that those are my pillows oh yeah from the from the guy my pillow guy. What's his name? Mike Lindell. Wow, you Zoom in. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they and luckily she kills that sexual barrier. She does. She takes the pillow wall down. There's no, there's no love scene in this. There's no sex scene. There's a kiss. He plants a kiss on her at yeah. one point. It's, it, but you know, it, it feels like a goodbye kiss. It does. Yeah, yeah. So we meet our villain, right? He's, he's of course. It, it's great because right after uh, Odeker kills, kicks those guys' asses. The next thing we mm-hmm. see is. We see this this like fancy car do a, a, a U-turn, getting guy getting cursed out for missing his uh, the stop, basically. And this guy, our villain, is introduced. And he goes to his Copacabana scene where he's walking through the club, mm-hmm. you know. Well, he's introduced by doing something completely evil and completely insane. Karaoke? No, he crosses the street without looking both ways. <laughs> okay. So he shows up. You know, he does some coke, he gets a drink, he, you know, he greets people, he chastises people, Dirty Looks does a, a song number on the stage, which I was not expecting. No, he does. It's great, too. He's into it. Yeah, and then he goes upstairs and interacts with some of these other Russian mob guys and uh, kills a guy right in the first he kills scene. Kills a guy yeah, in front of everybody, asserting his dominance and his badassery, uh, you know, to the movie. He's just kind of showing us that this guy cannot, should not be messed with. And you find out that Bob Odenkirk's character inadvertently has messed with this guy. He, the guy that he trakes in the bus is this guy's brother. Right. And the thing I will say about the guy that writes these movies um, is that he is great at world building. He does a lot with little in terms of creating Mm -hmm. these like worlds within the world. Obviously John Wick, it's become a cottage industry. That's like the, to me, that's the main thing I like about that series is the world building. I get, I get tired of the action scenes pretty quickly, but so the, once again, the, the the Russian mob's money. This you know our our villain is is babysitting it during this current period, and you know he basically proves his dominance. And we introduce his sidekick character, who I thought was going to be the big bad or is like the main adversary for mm-hmm. Hutch. And uh, so he gets a call. <laughs> he gets a call about his injured relative, and the next thing we see is him visiting the hospital. It's the best. The chair is actually the, the, that's the, one of the highlight of the movie. The I chair is the is the funniest thing in the movie. So yeah, he's look. He sees his brother. And his brother is going to die. 
Yeah, his brother is not recovering. He's got brain damage. He's really <laughs> well, destroyed. The, the great thing is the black Russian character. Uh, mm-hmm. So the doctor is giving them the rundown, and he's kind of candy coating it. And then we see in subtitles the the Russia the black Russia guy is reading the thing, and he tells him he's fucked. <laughs> yeah, he's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so they go. The other henchmen are all in this room. The surviving henchmen are in this room, and you just see on the way to this room, the bad guy just grabs a hospital chair. Just one of those like you know, cheap chairs that you sit on in the waiting room. And then he opens the door and throws the chair at the, one of the guy's heads at his face. It hits him in the face face. with the chair. And it's in one take. It's such a funny shot. It's like, he starts beating the guy's legs with the chair too. Like he just starts, but the, the scene starts and it's like a wide shot of this room. And you see the guy, one guy, you see his whole body in the bed. The other guy, you see part of his body or whatever. And this chair just hurls across him and hits him in the face. (laughs) It's the best. It's insanely funny. And then he asks him what happened, and this one guy holds up Odenkirk's uh, work badge, so they can. Well, get... at the very end of the scene, no, it's his. Yeah. It's his bus pass, isn't it? Is it a bus? I think it's a work badge. I'm not sure. I think it's his bus pass. Is it whatever? It's some kind of thing that's connected. It's actually to his dad's bus pass that he picks up on the floor at Christopher Lloyd's old folks' home before he goes out and kicks ass. Oh, yeah. okay. Because remember, they trace it to the father. Um, now they don't. They don't ever explain. Odin, there's a picture of Christopher Lloyd with two young boys, one white and one black, and they're supposed to be Odin Kirk and the Rizzo, right? And yeah. so they don't ever really explain that. Is this is is Lloyd his real dad, or is this is like his handler that like kind of taught these kids to be assassins? No, they're you know? t- they're too young in the photo for him to be their handler. It's his dad. Well, that's what I'm saying is like, did he raise these guys to be like insane killing machines? Because they're both they both are. And including Lloyd, they're both, they're all kind of, they're, kind, they're all like uh, weapons. Right. And they all have these, you know, the, the Riz is a sniper. Mm-hmm. Lloyd is, you know, he's no, um, he's, he's he, no newbie to violence. He's so. close quarters guy. Yeah. And then Hutch is more of a, of, of a meaty, a meaty pulverizer, but it's great. Cause yeah, we basically get the, the rundown on, on that, that the, this Russian guy does not have time to deal with something like this. He's already hating his job and wanting out. Yeah. He's in charge of, uh, what, um, securing the Obashak. The Obashak. Obashak. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, uh, a, a 401k for the Russian mafia, the Russian mafia, right? The Russian, Russian mob. It's a um, 401k GB. What about when the bad guy snot rockets in the hotel I was, room? That is the worst the part. Of the, that's, that's the worst part of the movie. <laughs> you like that, huh? I don't. I don't ever need to see people spitting or shooting snot in my life. So the bad guy has a. After they, they they want they figure out it's Hutch. They want his background, and the there's a hacker working for the bad guy, and she's she's like, right, let me let me get the information. I know somebody at the FBI, and she goes, one blackmail package coming up. And she sends this guy at the FBI photos of him and, you know, S and M S and M stuff. And he's like, Oh, we'll show it to your family. And so he, this guy goes hunting around the FBI to find information on Hutch, which there's not much because it's all been redacted. Right. We just find out his code name, I guess is nobody, which is kind of threw me. Unnecessary. Uh, By the way, if you want to enjoy a little bit of entertainment in your afternoon, this is for Justin and for the listeners. Hop on over to IMDb and look at the uh, profile pic of the actor who played that FBI guy. He's in a lot of stuff, that guy. I didn't ask. I, I, I that was not the point of what I was saying. Oh, uh, why is he a weird one? Yeah, he's got a. He's trying to be. He's got a cute, cute photo. 
Does he have a hat on? No, he's like in, he's in a suit and he's just looking. He's in a very weird pose. So if Um, if if you're looking for entertainment, there's a there's a quick 18 seconds taken care of. But I love that the the woman, the hacker that that does this, she gets the she does get um, some information back. She takes one look at it, tosses it to the bad guy. She she says, "I'm out. You can keep your money. I'm leaving." She actually does something in the in these movies that I always want to see is she quits when faced against extreme odds. Yeah. She's out. She must be she related to the up. Vietnam veteran at the tattoo parlor. Cause he, he also leaves <laughs> <laughs> yeah. once he realizes who Odin Kirk is. Yeah. I, I wish I, I knew what the seven two meant. Like I know it's the worst hand in poker, but I didn't know if, if there was, if there's some imaginary badass force or whatever that supposedly. Yeah. They don't explain that for sure. Um, and it's not very, um, you know, it's not a hidden thing, right? If you're looking to be anonymous and then you tattoo your wrist with something that says that you are uh, connected to an organization that takes out people. It's a little bit counterintuitive, Nick. Counterintuitive to counterintelligence. And then we meet Colin Salmon and his role in this film. He has a brief scene. He's great. Almost, kind of a ubiquitous British actor. Almost, almost James Bond. What do you mean? He was up for the James Bond role uh, before for Casino Royale. And I remember our buddy Steve uh, loves him mm-hmm. and, and really wishes he got the part. Although, I'll tell you he's, what, he has Patrick Stewart's voice, which is amazing. He's very elegant. Like, he, he's very, like, a smooth actor. Like, he's just, you can drop him into stuff. And he just, it, an intimidating presence, an intelligent, pre, intelligent presence. He's, like, in a lot of British stuff. From I recognize him, but he's in like he just always shows up. Uh, I believe British he's TV in stuff. one of the Aliens Predator films too. So don't is don't, he really? Yeah, don't discredit that performance. And um, he was, was he in Jason X? Is that him? Is am that I, the am, same guy? Am I, don't I, think am it's am I imagining? Guy. I mean, I gotta find out. I don't think it's him. In fact, I, I'm uh, I'm willing to bet a dollar it's not him. Oh, it's Kane Hodder. <laughs> there you is know, there's something that uh, okay. The, Colin Salmon is in a very bad exploitation movie I'm, that's what i'm thinking i know he's in a very bad oh it's resident evil is he i don't yeah remember. i knew he was in some dog shit ex, oh my god he's in one of oh my god what sometimes god gifts us so what movie did i what movie did i send you a photo of the other day photo were you watching something i sent I you a photo a from the grocery store of a key of a kiosk selling. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of uh, uh, Mortal Engines. He's in it. And his name is Chud Lee Pomeroy. I feel our show exists to a certain extent to get to Mortal Engines. Like, I, I feel like at some point we're going to have to do it. A movie that I, I just think that not a lot of people have seen even now, years later. Right. <clears throat> that's definitely been a, a problem for us is only doing the hits. <laughs> What about always, um, always the down the middle fastballs everybody's craving? I am going to tell you a thing that took me out of this movie. Hutch gets his mojo back. He starts cooking for the fam and he goes, I'm going to cook you my homemade lasagna. And the daughter gets excited and she exclaims lasagna. I cannot think of a kid who would ever get excited about lasagna. Now, I could be wrong. I My kids get very excited when I make certain things. When they were five? Or six. And, well, and then when you see what the lasagna looks like, this is what you were pimping. This is the hype. This burnt looking fucking Mrs. Stouffer dog dick. <laughs> yeah, he does lay it out. The problem is, as he's laying out that lasagna, the bad guys 
have zeroed in on his home and he sees them pulling up and he ushers his, um, his family into the basement, which he, it's a little bit of a safe room. He oh. has his house wired for this kind of attack, just like John Wick in that one scene. Remember the yeah. initial John and the first John Wick. His house is like a fucking off. Autobot, man. He's got all sorts of great shit going on. Yeah, the guys come in and he just lays waste them. There's no more, no more Mister Nice Guy. He's shooting them. He's blow. He's breaking their necks. Yeah, he's making. They it came count. to his home. You don't do that. They come to his home, right? And he, he kills them. They at one point they do take. That's what leads to my favorite scene in the movie. They tase him. The remaining bad guys because he kills about out of the group. He kills most of them. They tase him and they throw him in a trunk. And that's my favorite scene in this movie. Did you like that scene? I liked it, but why is it your favorite? I just like the way it turned out. I think it's like, it's really well done. And so he wakes up in the trunk and there's three guys. There's there's two bad guys driving. And the the guy you mentioned, the the, the Russian, the, uh, the black Russian guy, he gets mad because the two guys, the two, uh, a woman and a man, the henchmen are trying to drive themselves to the hospital, <laughs> which I think is great. Mm-hmm. And he got, he threatens their lives. He said, "We're going to the, before you go to the hospital. We got to drop this guy off." And so, meanwhile, Odenkirk wakes up in the trunk. He uh, opens the trunk from the inside, and he sees that the car is going too fast. So that's not a way out for him. So instead, he grabs yeah, the I fire. Thought, I thought he was checking to see if it was part of a caravan. Oh, maybe, but I, I think it was just. I think it's meant to show you. Well, that's well, that's how I took it. That it, he couldn't jump out without hurting himself or killing himself. So he then he gets a fire extinguisher, kicks the seat back down, and then just unloads the contents of the fire extinguisher in the car, which causes it to crash. I, I thought that whole scene was great. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. And and it also, mm-hmm. it results in a funny recurring joke in the movie that, well, recurring twice, where he pulls himself out of the wreckage. The the black Russian is on the ground dying. The other people did not make it. And no. he's, he's basically explains what his, he, he tells the, the audience basically what he used to do in his former life. And he's telling it to the black Russian and uh, it starts this theme where he's talking to people and they die while he's talking to him. Like he looks, yeah, he talks the, him to death. Yeah. He talks two people to death in this movie. And I think that's a cute little side effect. Yeah. It's cuter in the movie than it is in real life for somebody to die while you're telling them something. It's not as good, but another scene that took me out in the house invasion, the second house invasion with the main, but the bad guys that he will lay his waist to before they tase him. He uses a, uh, a tea kettle that is just coming to a boil to take one of the guys out. Uh-huh. Why would they have tea? Why would they have a tea on during dinner? Cause they're just sitting down to eat. Take me out. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe his daughter is into, you know, a little bit of hibiscus or something. Took me out. All right. You know, what took me out was, so <laughs> he, uh, he goes, I love this. He goes back to his house, pours himself a mm-hmm. drink, has arranged the dead bodies, and the barely alive bodies on the couch to kind of communicate to them. He's talking to another guy dies while he's talking. Mm-hmm. And then the kitty bracelet that his, was stolen from his daughter is on the ground. How on earth could that have happened? Like it I, just, I think it, I think it never was stolen. I think it just was missing. I think she just lost it in the house. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it was a weird, it, it, it didn't jive right to me, but. That makes it a little. What bit about better. the when the record player somehow catches? I love that. The record catches on fire. Yeah. Very, very Mission Impossible. There's a shot of a Wolfman poster. I notice a Wolfman poster on the wall. Did you notice that? Yeah, the there's there's a couple of famous movie posters on the walls, but yeah. yeah. And he's got that pinball machine. 
I know. It reminded me of your home arcade. Exactly. Yeah. Except I don't keep gold gold bricks in mine. You didn't you didn't keep the the gold from Looper in there. Right. Well, I've got the one Looper of those. Gold I've bars. got one right behind me actually. They're yeah, not... you got that. It's, it's a nice takeaway from that. It's up there behind me somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's not gold. It's uh, it's silver colored and it's dumb. They didn't pass around the, the actual gold as takeaways from the Looper. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I think they were silver in the movie too. I thought they were gold. Well, I'm not going to watch that movie again to find out. I'm going to tweet at Ryan Johnson. You don't like that movie? It's okay. I like it. It's got some. What do you, what do you think about Odenkirk in the jean, jean, jean shirt? He gets dressed up at the end. Uh, to kind of get this bloody clothes off, he takes a shower, you know, before he lets his family out of the uh, basement and sends them on their way. And he, before he does that, he showers and he puts a jean shirt on. Owen Kirk is wearing the hell out of that jean shirt. I, gotta I, say. I did not even notice. Not a look that I I could pull off, or it's a tough look to pull off. It's like something like um, you just don't see it very often anymore. But Owen Kirk, he's a he wears it well. Okay, I don't remember him Je- wearing jean shirt and tucked into jeans. I mean. It's a roughie. I think it's, I mean, it's obviously a, a cowpoke look. It's a cowpoke. Well, look. you know, it's the Canadian tuxedo. It, it, you know, it's certainly, there's this running joke in Better Call Saul where he has pretended to be Kevin Costner on occasion. And mm-hmm. he, he never has he more been like Kevin Costner than in this movie, which I love. It does look like Kevin Costner a little bit. So he, you know, all of this. So what he does, he has to take the war to the bad guy now and he decides to destroy the guy's warehouse. He kills all the guys in there, burns the guy's money, takes, burns his artwork down or destroys his artwork. This guy has a the bad guy has an art. Uh, he loves his art collection. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, then he then as the bad guy singing a, another song at his club, Odenkirk's there eating steak and he has a mine under a napkin that is attached to his finger. Like if he pulls it, then everybody is blown up. Absurd. That's an absurd scene. It's ridiculous. Well, they should have done, they should have taken a page because all the bad guys have their guns pointed at him, but he has this mind that if they shoot him, it's going to go off, so they can't do anything. But remember Miami Vice? Yeah, the grenade. The Mandula Abligata scene or whatever, remember, whatever. What, what are you talking the, about? The guy is going to, he's got like a, he's going to press his finger oh, down, right, on, right, right. down on the, and she shoots him in the spine so he can't move. He can't, it paralyzes him instantly. Yeah, I think should have done it. I thought you talking about the scene where Colin Farrell has a grenade threatening to let it go in, in, a, right. in a meeting. Uh, hey, if you're going to rip off a movie, rip off Miami Vice because it's fucking great. But um, mm-hmm. I just don't, I mean, I like the fact that it gives us an opportunity to have a quiet moment between the hero and the villain. I guess he's a hero. But at the same time, it's such a dumb, you know, it's such a dumb thing to go into this. Well, at least, at least one of my favorite things is that, so he confronts the bad guy. The bad guy tells all his henchmen to leave because there's his mind there so they can have a talk. Odenkirk is like, you came to my house. that You don't do that. I destroyed everything because the guy doesn't know yet that he destroyed everything. Yeah. And he goes, you don't even like your job. It's not that big a deal. Let's just let sleeping dogs lie. This is over. And he leaves. Then he goes out and sits in his car and he crosses his fingers. And he hopes the bad guys come out to start chasing him. And they do. <laughs> so he's a, he doesn't want them. He doesn't want the guy to take the deal. He wants the guy to be mad enough to chase him. And he, and he is so. But he's crossing his fingers, hoping it happened, which I think is great. Because there's a montage earlier on where so he's bought his his dad, his father in law's business, Michael Ironside's business, 
that mm-hmm. he's worked at. So there's a scene where he brings him a bunch of gold bars and buys it from him. So he's bought the business. And so now he just turns this, he turns this, basically turns this building into Rambo's cave from the last <laughs> Rambo film where he booby trapped everything. Yeah. And, uh, and of course there is a little bit of a stretch of logic because there's never, he never recruits the Riza or Christopher Lloyd to join him in his battle, mm-hmm. but they are waiting there for him when, when he's, when he arrives, the bad guys follow him to the, to his lair and it makes me wonder, it's like they could have very easily gotten booby trapped to death. And that would have been a sad homecoming for Bob to find well, Riz- half of Christopher Lloyd on the stairs. <laughs> no, they're, they know his tricks. They know what he'll do, you know, so they can, they know enough to avoid, I guess, his traps. Um, you know, the Riz has been on the line with, you know, he's been off screen this whole time trying to talk Bob Odenkirk out of doing any of this kind of stuff. And at the end, he's there to save the day or help save the day. Um, Lloyd, we didn't talk about it, gets attacked in his nursing home. By two guys, that including the director, come to kill him. The director played, yeah, one, one of them's yeah. the director, yeah. And the other one is Russia's number one pop star. Is that true? Yep, he zoomed in. Yeah, I did it. Quite a zoom, Nick. Thank you. What's what's the songs? Only Acorns Understand. Uh, yeah, super zoom. Me, you, and the Whippoorwills. Uh, Daddy's got a pancreas. Luke, what's this guy's name? Luke shot first, and in parentheses, if you know what I mean. And then baby got back. What Luke shot first. Yeah. What is um what is uh uh what's this guy's name? Oh, I don't know that. I revo- I revoke my zoom. I revoke my my zoom. Cool. Uh, you I, messed up. One of the things I've tried to live this long life in doing is not having to learn any Russian names. Really? It's just not part of my deal. What's now, the director's you, name? You know the director's whatever his stupid name is, but mm-hmm. and one of our great listeners, Mr. Robert speaks fluent Russian. So maybe I can get a, get an, an assist, an assist from him in pronouncing no Russian name. Oligarch, right? Leo Tolstoy. Oh, right. Yeah. I'll give you another one. Chekhov. Is that his whole name? What about Anton? No, Chekhov from Star Trek. I was just doing the Bob Odenkirk to Chekhov. <laughs> I was going to do the whole show, keep mispronouncing him and just keep saying Bob Oden Chekhov, Bob Oden Uhura. Well, your name is Bob Oden. Yeah. And my Zoom name is Bob Oden Spock. Right. But I just thought that might be too funny. Like if we, if I did something like that, it might be too funny for everybody. You're safe. Good. So at the end, all this mayhem happens. My least favorite part of the movie, people are getting destroyed, just shot in the head all the time, all sorts of mayhem and violence where the, you know, the, what they can do, what they throw the, the, the heroes way, the three guys is one of them eventually gets shot in the shoulder. Well, but, um, Odenkirk gets shot at the beginning of the fight and then the Rizzo gets shot. He does. He does. Yeah. Because he needs rescuing at the beginning. You don't know the other guys are there. Yeah, they both get shot in the shoulder. There's two shoulder shots in this. Um, and he gets stabbed he, in, the, in the side early in the film. And uh, But then he does a, a pretty cool thing at the end with that mine. Well, and, did, and, the, did the bad guy make it, by the way? I can't I tell. tell. Yeah. I, and I, the RZA gets to snipe through three people at once, which is a cute moment. And he has like cute. an action sequence where he's fighting with a sniper, the sniper gun in the hallway, in a, in a you know crowded hallway. Pretty neat scene. The choreography isn't as fluid as it is with uh, Odenkirk. It doesn't seem like he went to, to make as many classes necessarily. And I'll tell you, there, yeah, I, I get tired of the of the madness and the violence. There's some really fun kills and stuff like that, but it's a little much. But I can't ever get tired of seeing Christopher Lloyd with his dumb face, just running, you know, going around shooting people. It's so funny. Smiling. To yeah, with his big old head and his big old face. Big ears. I love him so much. He's such a treasure, that guy. 
Yeah, he's great. And, you know, like I said, like I, I kind of, this is my problem with the last John Wick movie. I just, at the end, I was exhausted from the violence. Like I just, it's just, you know, I'm, I don't love this kind of, watching this kind of mayhem on screen. But at the same time, this movie is fun enough to kind of, I think, recommend it. I mean, it's, and, you know, it's certainly, I'm glad that Odenkirk has a career outside of, you know, writing and out of, outside of Better Call Saul. Like, it's nice to see him pop up. I know he was in Little Women last year, too. And, you know. Well, did he get me too? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Happy for him. Happy for old Bob Odenkirk. Like, he's my buddy. Yeah. It's one It's one of the good guys coming through. Um, You know, it's funny. As part of my, when I was doing some zooming around, learning some shit, I, yeah. I found out something I never knew. I can't believe I never knew. And it makes me wonder about an alternate universe that, Christopher Lloyd was the number one candidate to play Jack Torrance in The Shining, and I did not know that. Are you serious? Yes. I didn't know. I've never heard this. What and, happened? I don't know. I mean, well, Nicholson obviously did okay, but he what a great choice he would have been, because this was like yeah. shortly after Cuckoo's Nest. I think it was right around the same time Taxi was doing its thing, but he hadn't become this delightfully over-the-top persona, that you know, the Uncle Fester, the Doc Brown, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Man, I bet you that would have been interesting because he's a hell of an actor. And did Kubrick want? Did Kubrick want him? Yeah. Kubrick- and actually, Shelley Duvall seems like a more realistic spouse to him than it would Jack Nicholson. What an interesting what if if you if you have a universe where um, he played that part, what his career would be like. Yeah. Nicholson would have been Nicholson regardless, but I think Christopher Lloyd may have been one of those guys that we talk about in the same breath as we do Nicholson or Hackman or any of those guys. Well, you say that. Lloyd was the first choice, but the second choice above Nicholson was Tony Danza. Okay. Yeah. Just, Kubrick was just drawing from the taxi well. Right. Yeah, yeah. He wanted, yeah, he went down the list. Andy Kaufman on there, and then Danny DeVito was his fourth choice. Right. And, and, Mary I, and, and, and he, he did a, a screen test, and except he sticks his head in through the dog door at the bottom of the door. To, uh, I'm home. Here's, here's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Because he's short. Here's <laughs> Jack Nicholson. <laughs> he zoomed in. Danny DeVito in The Shining would have been something else. Oh my god! Yeah, they he, should have had him. They, he could have played Danny to Christopher <laughs> Lloyd's. You know, uh, whatever. What's the main character with The Shining's name? J- Jack, Jack Torrance. Jack Torrance yeah, right? yeah. But so honestly, we joke, but mm-hmm. there are very few careers in Hollywood as great as Danny DeVito's. I love him. No, oh, he's amazing. One yeah, of the like one of the best careers, uh, the most diverse, uh, just astonishingly great careers. I love the fact that he's no, he's, he's incredible, a miracle, and he would have been a great Danny. I'm not kidding about that. <laughs> perfect. I think kind of we, an ageless actor. He always looked kind of he looked he looked just always kind of looked as a like he kind of looked old to begin with. So he kind of aged. Like how old is he now? You he's wonder? in he's in his high seventies. He's not in his high seventies. There's no way. Motherfucker. He's in his late seventies. I was. I just remember when I was watching Always Sunny, uh, looking him up and being astounded at his age. I could be wrong. Let me see. Maybe he's in his mid seventies. I'd be surprised if he's pushing eighty. He's seventy six. Nailed it. But he's got a birthday in five months. But uh, <laughs> I think they should have done the old shufflet on the uh, casting of of The Shining. Give Scatman Crothers the the Jack Torrance role. Mm-hmm. Get Davida to play Danny. Get Mary Lou Henner to play Wendy, and then get uh, Dick Buckus to play the snowmobile. <laughs> it's a pretty good movie. Zoom in. So, what do you think overall of this movie? At the end, when this he does a thing where he, uh, 
I guess he hides behind some plexiglass and he attaches the mine mm-hmm. to the front of that runs at the bad guy and he blows up the mine and he, it sends them both flying. And f- fortunately for him, he's kind of protected by the, the plexiglass, the bad guy, not so much. Yeah. And then and the bad guy gets farfed. And I, okay. Whatever that means. <laughs> I love lo- <laughs> super farfed. Did you not agree? I, I, I sure. And I love the yeah. fact that they don't kill Christopher Lloyd. Mm-hmm. They don't kill the RZA. They don't kill Hutch. He gets the mm-hmm. kit. He gets a kitten. Because there's this book ending sequence with him at being interrogated by officers. And by the way, the film starts off with music from Nina Simone, which is instantly getting into my happy place. Like whenever, whenever I hear her in anything, it just makes me super thrilled. So that added a level of class to the movie right out of the gate. But I love well, I that. Be, it, the two FBI agents that interview him at the beginning and the end of the movie, I thought one of them was Jill Talley, his Mr. Show uh, cast member. And it's not her. Okay. So I was just, I think I was more hoping it was her than, you know, and it's just not her. So I was hoping to see some, some uh, people from his past career show up in this movie a little bit as, as kind of a funny Easter egg, but it doesn't happen. But instead they went with talented actors. Jill Talley is incredible. She got farfed. (laughs) She actually is amazing. Yeah. And did you like the little mid credits thing? I didn't watch it. What? When he goes to get a house. No, no, after that, there's a, a quick, there's a mid-credits thing. This explain it to me. I didn't so, watch it. So it's it's like less than a minute into the credits. It's Lloyd and Rizzo are driving cross-country with a van filled with weapons. And they're driving. Oh, really? Yeah, and, and they're basically, I guess they're on the way to help him against whatever that phone call was about. Yeah. And it's just so funny. Like, there's a buddy, it's like a buddy comedy waiting to happen between Rizzo and Christopher Lloyd. And it's just so, and it's so, it's like a sun-soaked scene. You know, the movie mm-hmm. is all like grays and metallic colors and it's very dark. And then this mm-hmm. scene, first of all, the scene where he's looking at the house with his wife isn't a, there's a lot of light there too. But then the scene with, uh, it's almost filmed like a romance. You know, it's like the endless summer starring Riza and Christopher Lloyd. And uh, yeah, so they're basically on their way. And then Christopher Lloyd, this is a dumb joke where he, he Christopher Lloyd says, why don't we fly? And then Riza looks in the back seat and there's like literally nothing but automatic weapons and shit. He's like, oh, he probably would have realized that. If he's a, yeah. but it's a cute scene. And I, you know, as I tend to do, I watched the film twice. Um, and the second time I actually stayed through all of the credits, hoping that there was something at the end. And there wasn't, I was hoping for mm-hmm. one more little thing because they did say the writer, Derek Colstad or whatever his name is said that um, he, he wants to do a movie where with Wick and, and Hutch together at some point. Oh, really? Yeah. Which I'd be all down for. And it's funny. I was listening to, the director, an interview with the director, and he said when he visited, right when he got the job, he visited Odin Kirk when he was doing his training. Mm-hmm. And in the same training facility, Keanu was working on the stunts for uh, John Wick 3. And he walked in with all this camera equipment to, to take some shots of, uh, of of Odenkirk, who was in a different room. And he got the he got the dirty look from Keanu, thinking that he was going to try to get some paparazzi photos. Kind of funny. It'll be fun. I, the two ni- two Hollywood nice guys, Keanu Reeves and Bob Odenkirk, right together in a movie. I I, I do hope that maybe I'm sure that they kind of hope to franchise this, don't you think? I uh, I, how's, I how's it doing? How's it doing? Well, you can't tell in today's day and age. I know that it's how's got it a, looking out there. A lot of buzz. It's it's made its money back, but mm-hmm. unless you're King Kong versus Godzilla, you're not really blowing the world away. It's already. It, it it's already made its money back. It's already justified its existence. And I think it's going to be, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, there was like this watch along party that happened yesterday. Well, I saw a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously it has, you know, and you're right. Odin Kirk's 
who doesn't love him? And so there's a lot of just good vibes associated with this movie based on his involvement in it. And it's not a gimmick. It's something that right. um, actually works. And, you know, depending on how he wants to spend his time, obviously they're filming the last season of Better Call Saul right now. So maybe his dance card will be opened up to do more. Made me realize that Connie Nielsen's on Twitter. I, I followed her as well based on this. I did not follow her. I'm not going to throw her a follow. She's got to prove herself. I need to hear... I need to see what meme she's dealing out before I. Well, it's so what, funny. What's, what, what's the what level is her meme game at? And then maybe I'll consider it. Uh, oh, I, I said. Um, so she she uh, she uh, was talking about nobody because she's in it. Zoom in, <laughs> and I said. So what would what would your Nielsen rating be for it? Oh man, she follow you back after that? Yeah, she she. Yeah. I got a, my first block. Got <laughs> Nielsen. Um, so hey, look. There's a tattoo parlor in the film. There's a tattoo parlor in our existence. Right. And it's built on a bed of lies. Your body is ambled into this room. You got in the stare down from all the guys and you hustle on into the countertop. And he's like, look, dude, what do you want me to put on your bod? That's it? That's how he leaves it? Yeah. And then he starts to slowly unbutton his shirt. And he's wearing a, 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 a shirt with the women's buttons, if you know what I mean, where the, the left-handed buttons... Zoom have you ever put on a woman's shirt and realized that it's the buttons are backwards? Oh yeah, you I, are zooming in. I know. I, I know better than most. Let's just say that you do. You do. Yeah. Right around my lower back, above the tramp, um, I've got, and I, and it's sort of I, I had to I had to let the the tattoo artist have some creative license here. It's it's a, it's David Cross shitting himself. So I, I I basically said, look, tattoo artist, imagine David Cross receiving a phone call from Bob Odenkirk hearing that he's doing a badass action film and, and, and David Cross having an anal moment, you know, like, so, so just, just realize this visual of him just shitting his pants, hearing the news. And, and he, he assumed that David Cross, when he received this information was sitting uh, on a, on a rattan chair. So it's like the shit is spraying through the holes in the chair. It's really a cool tat. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, my tattoo would be, um, I would just get the pillow wall. A tattooed on my sternum, you know. Yeah, the, oh. and and the pillow wall that 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 that's, but that's between the two uh, mar the married couple, but is signifying that they're no longer in contact. They're no longer right spiritually or physically connected. Mm -hmm. Something is fractured in the relationship. Nick. Yeah, either that or I'd get the bad guy uh, with his face dripping off at the end, and then underneath it would say "Got farfed." <laughs> the, I, the director's cut of the film was uh, an hour and 50 minutes this version's just at an hour and a half uh, seriously and yeah. I, I could only imagine that it, it turns out that the pillow isn't a metaphor for their the, de the detachment between them but because Connie Nielsen rips farts all night <laughs> her super ass is letting it rants and he, he's, got a, he's got a blockade I just, yeah, is it a snoring thing? I don't know what, uh, that would offend me if I got into bed with uh, my wife and she just put like, you know, like a mattress or like a huge pillow wall there and, and was like, deal with this. I was like, I was going to go to sleep. What? You know, and it's just like putting the pillow wall up. Now, now keep, keep, keep this in mind. Pillow wall, you know, people get hot at night. It get, you know, a little accumulate. Maybe the pillow mm. wall creates a nice barrier of coolness to where they can enjoy an evening's worth of sleep without. Maybe. Yeah. Seems a little ridiculous. What do they call that when, when people are not yet married or, or the first night married and they put something in between them? It's like a traditional, it's like an Amish thing or something. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. What is that? Do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 
believe it's called the pillow wall. <laughs> and isn't there another tradition where um, everybody fucks the wife before she's married? I mean, it sounds like porn. <laughs> it sounds like a, a porn movie that you might have seen once. That's a tradition. <laughs> and then what's the way they cut a hole in the in the in the blanket and make it count? I think that's I might I might be wrong, but I think that's Jew, a Jewish tradition, a, 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 at least a segment of the Jewish religion. It's hot. Cutting a hole in the in the yeah, sheet, yeah. Ghost, yeah, f- hang your, ghost fucking like a fucking ghost. You hang your stuff through it. <laughs> that is kind of hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like man, I've always They'd go well with the pillow wall. Get, I... get the bed. Get the bed involved. You know, let's. Everybody just wants to have sex on the bed. Let's get the bed in the mix. Right. You know, like yeah. it's a threesome. Not just underneath. Just put it all around. Yeah. Cut that... some sheets. Yeah. That's why you call it mattress firm, man. It's it's aroused. You know, take the post off, lay them in the middle. You know what I'm talking Ger- about. Yeah, Just... Gerald's game this bitch. <laughs> Get the bed in there. Fuck yeah. Poor bed. Yeah. Poor bed's like, Jesus. You think about beds have to take a beating. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Now, people people make increases in them over, over time, building little pockets in its mattress, you know, wearing out certain springs, leaving other mm. springs alone. That's, that's enough for therapy. But then people right. will like roll over and start to pump. You know, right. and then sometimes they'll try something wicked and then bed's like, I, I got to stay. I can't just leave. They can't know I'm sentient at this point. And then they oh, let's have the dogs come frolic on me. Oh, well, the kid's going to come and piss me because he's scared of a fucking reaper outside. Bed's got it rough, man. Nobody's nobody's written sad songs about the bed. Zoom so, man, I don't know if that's true. I'm sure someone's written a sad bed song before. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, I think mattresses. Sad bed says so much. <laughs> I think mattresses in general just don't get the credit they deserve. Right. You know, they're kind of, they're just kind of considered like, if you think about the, your people make a big deal about the furniture in their house and the looks and yeah. the bed is just, I mean, I guess, I guess people get excited about sleep number. I just, it's so weird. Whenever I go to a friend's house or a relative's house mm-hmm. and you know, you're looking around first time you go through the bedroom and they're like, this is our bedroom. It's like, this is where we fuck. It's just weird. It's weird. I don't but need then, to... you know. Don't you remember MTV Cribs? They'd always say this is where the magic happens when they show their when they show the bed. I, they show the bedroom. I've never. I don't think I've ever watched MTV. They always. This is where the magic happens. That's a pretty great thing to say when you walk in. Yeah. And then you'd be, it'd be a great follow up. What kind of magic? Sleight of hand. Yeah. I mean, a lot of sleight of hand. I imagine. You know. You know who was disappointed when they watched that show? Kevin Spacey. Who? Victor Salva. Oh, it's is he it, back in the it, is it is it is he back in the mix? Kevin Space. Did he release a Christmas video this year? He did, I think. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. He's just slinking, slinking slow, slowly towards the goalposts. So uh, you've been given the money to uh, do your own sequel to Nobody. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the story. You talking about somebody? Oh, right. So okay, it's they're they're in the it's the new house or maybe even the third house, mm-hmm. depending on what happened at the end of this film. The lights are all out. All the children are tucked into their beds. The kids actually, the young, the boy is off to college, so he's not. He doesn't have to look like uh, Cameron Bright anymore in our in our eyes. You hear like little padding, little padding. Boop 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 boop. The kitten is now a cat. Oh wow! Yeah, it's gro- yeah, yeah. it's grown out. And so mm-hmm. you're like, okay, so man, some time has passed. This kid, this, this Siamese is now a grown cat, and you're like, I can't wait to see how we what shape Hutch is in. We never see Hutch. This cat centric movie. We got the inner monologue of the cat voiced by none other than Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
And it's just this cat going about his routines, his inner monologue from Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's, Didn't it's, Spacey do a cat movie where he was the voice of a cat? Nine Lives or something? Maybe. I think I'm right. Maybe they could meet the Schwarzenegger cat and the Spacey cat. Could be his comeback. Nice. Call it Nine Lives, Nick. Call it, yeah, perfect. Yeah, and so it's a, it's in real time. It's just a, the evening, mm-hmm. the, the, the daily routine of that little cutie. Not no bodies are harmed. You'll love it. Nobody gets murdered mercilessly, except for a bowl of tuna. <laughs> sounds good. It sounds like it's kid friendly. Mine's not so kid friendly. Mine's called Somebody. And Golden Kirk is this pat. He's in the new house. He's back. He's he's Mister Dad. He's great. He's uh, connected with his son. You know, good relationship with his daughter and his wife. I mean, they're back. They're hot and heavy. They're in love. Everything repaired and and you know. Odenkirk, uh, Hutch has got the apron on, right? Like he's making lasagna. He made lasagna. He's putting it out for the fam. Everybody's digging in except the daughter. Everybody's going to town eating. And he's just kind of side-eyeing the daughter. And she's kind of moving the lasagna around her plate without eating it. And he goes, I thought you said, I remember you exclaimed that when I said I'm making lasagna, you said the word lasagna with an exclamation point. You got excited. He's like, eat it. And so she does like one of those things where she just dips her the tongue, the, the, the tines of the fork just very gently into the cheese and sauce and holds it at the tip of her tongue and kind of does an ooh face. And that just sets him off. He's fucking, he can't, and he has to go out and take out a, a village. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That's, that's that sets him off again. He starts hitting walls with his fist. It's the, the lasagna sets him off this time. Not the, what do you think? I love it. I love I love when a lasagna is the antagonist in a film. Yeah, it's a lasagna. It's like the lasagna action film. It could be good. And then Emilio Estevez goes, "Hasta lasagna, don't get any on you." <laughs> what is that from? Men at Work. Mission Impossible. Does he say that? Pretty sure. In that movie. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Then he takes a face full of spikes. Yeah, he does. We don't know if he died. He could Han from Fast Furious. Who knows? Um, That's true. By the way. I met a guy that looks exactly like Marshall Bell at a wedding last week. It was pretty badass. This is the best news I've heard. Did he act like Marshall Bell? No, he's he nice. Very right? nice guy. Mm-hmm. He didn't get killed by a giant chain. So that was good. Did uh, you say, did you go, you know, he looked like, and he's like waiting for it. You're like Marshall Bell. And he's just like staring at you blankly, you know, from signs. From signs. Yeah. He's in Marshall Bell is a great scene in the movie signs. I don't remember. Yeah. He's like an army some kind of army oh, okay. guy, and he's just got a real quirky scene. Okay, yeah, yeah. he quirks. Don't, it's so funny. I'm at this wedding. He's in a he's in a really nice suit jacket. I guess you know what you look like, and he says he puts his finger on my lips, and then he starts to go, "Open your mind, open your mind," and then he pulls his shirt open. No, Quato's not there. Quato's a fictional character, right? But his tits are talking to me. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, hey, look, you're in the movie. You're a piece of of the running time of of nobody. What shape does your performance take inside this feature? This is a pretty dangerous movie to be a part of. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, I, it's like the most dangerous movie to be a part of since, and the band played on. Who would I be? I'd be the neighbor. I'd be, my character's the neighbor um, on the other side of his house. So the one, the one neighbor comes out, he has got his Mustang or whatever. And he's like bragging about it. He, he's talking about how this, he inherited this thing. It's the, the only thing his old man had that was worth a shit. Like he's just, and he's like, I, if it was my family, I would have loved to beat up those crooks for some, some practice, you know, some like, what do you say? Some fight practice or some mm-hmm. exercise. And then I'd be like, you did the right thing. Uh, by pit. I heard that you, uh, 
that you pissed your pants and shot yourself. Is that true? Because that's exactly what I would have done. I would have tried to sympathize in the a completely reverse direction. So you did vomit and shit yourself, correct? Because that's what I would have done. Is this correct? You did. You did huddle in the corner and cry. Is this the the rumors true? Because I totally sympathize. That's the that's the I'd just be the the reverse neighbor character. Yeah. And then mm. I love it when they're shooting up his house. A bullet goes through the window and it completely penetrates you. Mm-mm. No. Too busy huddling and crying. No, I got the smart house too. My house is protected. I got the same guy that do my house that Hutch got to do his. Nice. I got all this stuff. I got all the tricks and traps, the safe rooms and all that stuff. I just, there's no reason for me to have it. Right. You're just worried about a tornado or something. Yeah. Um, Yeah, exactly. So I am, I've got my leathery wing appendages tucked tight. I'm hanging underneath the overpass uh, nearby. And I'm a member of an ancient species called a blood eater. And I am just dormant. I, I, I'm dormant for most of the, my life cycle. Uh, sure. And I am just there. But the uh, just sheer amount of murder that's happening in that warehouse forces me out of my slumber. And I stretch out my fucking weird, you know, membrane-laden wing arms. And I drop down to the ground and slowly walk towards the warehouse after after Odenkirk has done his dirty. And I just, I'm slurping up the blood. I'm just fucking barreling that shit in the old into my giant outstretched maw of course just blah, 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 eating it yeah and then uh, i think he detonates the building with me in it <laughs> yeah yeah but man i tell you what i rose i you know i was engorged from the bloodlust and i you know and honestly i think it was better for the world because typically i have to create my own victims and i was able to just piggyback on his victims and the world's a better place with me not going out there and freaking folks out with my weird body my character would be excited that uh hutch shit himself <laughs> the rumors panned out yeah so the open the credits have run the film has run its course and there is a stinger mm-hmm. at the end of the uh of the film what 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 is uh what is the hidden scene that they've tacked on to the end of your movie little known fact is that these Russian villains super connected to the the government people in, in, in Moscow, and they're furious with America. So they launch a missile. They launch a nuclear missile. And, of course, starts a chain reaction. Everybody starts launching all their goddamn missiles. So the events of nobody cause a thermonuclear war, and the bomb starts smashing, and boom, chance, boom, bam, poop. And then the orderly at the old folks' home wakes up. Huh? What's going on? <laughs> Essential character. <laughs> My scene would be the son rubs his eyes. He, he has downstairs to the basement and he sees the pinball machine. He gets going to get his morning pinball playing because he loves that pinball machine. And he sees that the pinball machine has been gutted a little bit. And it's the, the money has been taken out. And it's just left exposed. It doesn't work. And he's like confused. Like what? So he like, he's in his still in his pajamas, you know, and plugs the pinball machine back in and starts putting the stuff back into place. It's like a big like montage scene that takes a couple minutes. Yeah. And then he presses the start button and starts to play the end. Puts this pinball machine back together. Is this before or after the house is incinerated? Uh, does it did he blow up the house? He does, doesn't he? <laughs> so this would be <laughs> this would be the new house. After this would be a <laughs> shit. He does blow up that house. He burns it away. God damn it. Look, you've been given some money to uh bankroll your own business related to nobody. Sure. What you doing? I'm in the home security business. <laughs> yeah. And I come in and I will nobody your house. I'll hide stuff in cabinets. There'll be like steak knives hidden in the banisters. You know, fucking acid comes out of the toilet if you hit it the right button. Mm-hmm. The oven's a gun somehow. It's like the whole oven. <laughs> Crazy shit. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, so for a menial fee, I will come and I will fuck it up. I will do the the dirty. Problem is, most of my customers are sexual predators. You know, just saying. Like, you know, he's like, he's like, hey, a problem. can you uh make my the stairs down to my basement become a slide instantaneously, so that I can like lure somebody down there and they could I could hit the button and they fall and then I lock everything and then they're trapped down there. I'm like, sure. Hey, your money's green, baby. <laughs> 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 is that it? Is that your? That's, that that's plenty. All right. Mine is my, I'm finally creating my business. This is the movie that pushed it past. Like we've had all a lot of movies leading up to this, but I'm, I'm starting over here, over haired incorporated. <laughs> come in, come into my business. We'll give get you on a hair plan. If you're, if your hair is receding, if you're bald, Hey, if you got a full head, we're over, we're over hair. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, not only will we get you back up to a normal look, we'll give you too much. You know, you miss your hair. You're going to, you're going to not miss it times two is what we're going to do. All right. And cause you know, Odenkirk in this, they overhaired him. You know, he's obviously a bit of a bald gentleman losing his hair a little bit, but they, they gave him hair. They bequeathed hair to him. I they couldn't have, I guess they, cause they couldn't have a bald action star. Is that besides Willis? Vin Diesel. Is that why? I wonder why Dave Batista. They gave him a golfer's haircut. I don't think you know? they overhaired him in the movie. I think he looked nice. He does look nice, but considering that his he's a little bit of a, a bald gentleman, they overhaired him. I was just I'm gonna say it. Well, next. you know who they didn't? They you've got two very good prospective clients in Christopher Lloyd and Michael Ironside then, because they did not. Even the RZA, right? Even the RZA. Yeah, Ironside is not going to come into my business. Can't fit through. Ironside is a man that's been satisfied with his looks the whole way oh, through. Okay. You have to is, talk about a, a confident person. And I love that they cast him in this. I was happy to see him. He's a Canadian actor. Ironside. They filmed this in Canada. Is that why? Yeah. So nothing to do with his storied career. They just, he just happened to be around. Well, he's a Canadian actor and they were filming in Canada. So he's like, I'll come. Do you think he ever worked <laughs> in the U.S. before? <laughs> he has. His body, his body is able to cross country lines. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. Is the way you're phrasing it. He only works on Canadian productions, maybe. It's so funny because I saw an interview with him because uh, he trained for two years for this movie as well. <laughs> and was he eating? Was he eating ice cream sandwiches? Is that his training <laughs> regime? Or he? Uh, he's like. Uh, He's funny. Odekirk sent him a text. He said, man, I flipped Jack, man, on the, in, in the training room, and it autocorrected to eat flapjacks. So Ironside just <sighs> went hog wild at IHOP for two months. Ironside called him. There's a conversation you saw on the extras to this. They actually put on some extras, even though you can just rent it. There's some extras. And they had the original phone call between when they first met. And uh, Ironside says, huh. he's like, sounds like they may have overhaired you for this are you are you talking to me in some they put too much hair and own kirk's distraught he was like i think they did i think it's too much hair yeah he was depressed during the shoot because he felt that he'd been overhaired <laughs> you didn't hear about this no he kept talking to the director about taking some of it off and the director wouldn't do it he put his foot down he kept adding hair through the whole movie <laughs> during the scenes they'd have the makeup people come and press more hair onto his wig yeah it, it, yeah. it was like the time lapse how they used to do werewolf transformations in movies. <laughs> well, that's why the little werewolf Easter egg in the movie. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like hold Lon Chaney still. We're going to add some more fur so we can shoot his disgusting transformation. <laughs> and 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 it's funny. Um, 
This is the first film that uh, Ellen Page did as Elliot Page. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, you can't see the character because Ironside ate it. <laughs> he doesn't get Ironside doesn't get much to do here. He just collects the money and then he leaves. He doesn't get killed or anything. The brother gets punched. The brother-in-law gets punched. Love that. that, that the, the way the Odenkirk handles that, too. He punches the daylights at him and then quickly is helping him out. What the Hold on. My Alexa thinks I asked it a question about, about currency. Why? I didn't say Alexa. You tell me about currency. I have uh, the I have the off-brand. Yeah. And it's, it's Alexis Bladel. And so I'll just say, Alexis Bladel, play, it, my, play music. And she's like, hand me an instrument, cocksucker. It's so weird. <laughs> Isn't it Bladel? I mean, you say tomato. Isn't Wesley Snipes played Bladel? Is that Bla- I remember in this? Bladel was the villain in the Basket Case films. Oh, Belial. Okay. Hey, look. No, I thought you. I thought there was. I always think of Belial as the hero of those films. <laughs> I was wondering if he had like a, a brother or something. I can't. I still can't believe that the the third film starts off with like mad sex between Belial and his bitch. Does Belial have a side hustle in those movies, or <laughs> he had his appendix removed? Kevin Van Hetrick. I think that's his name. I think I know the is name. The I think I, I think I just named the actor from <laughs> Basket Case out of my head. Um, so you're floating at sea. You have an island where you've accumulated all this debris from all these different films. And now it's time for you to claim something from nobody. What are you taking? Is that is that where that comes from? Was there three Basket Case films? Yeah. Uh, the third one. Is that why they call it? Is that why they call it the Hetrick? <laughs> these three things? <laughs> That's where it comes from. Yeah, he he was he seriously had the gall to conclude a Vaughn in his name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking up. I'm looking up. Uh, I think, I think Sir I, I, Kevin Von Hetrick. That's it, his fucking name. It's it's Kevin Van he- Van Hendrick Hentenrick. Oh Hendrick. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. You got close. I wonder how his COVID's been. <laughs> I told I've told this story on the podcast right about my my viewing of Basket Case Three in the theater. I don't know. Maybe in the old show. Because uh, me and my buddy Brian went. Uh, so it was filmed in Georgia, apparently. I didn't know that. But we went to the, of course, because we were there Friday night to see Basket Case 3 in the movie theaters. It was us and then a row of people who obviously worked on the film. Okay. The only audience. And those guys were hooting and hollering all these in joke. Like, uh, you know, they were they were having the time of their lives because they were they had their one and only film job, I'm guaranteeing. Um and uh, you, Brian and I were just there flabbergasted of what we were seeing on screen. Because <laughs> it's so fucking crazy. We'll do those. Films, the third, you know? yeah. Theatrical showing, though. That's impressive. I, I wouldn't have imagined that got one. Yeah, you know? they killed it. So what are you bringing to the island? That's such a good question. I've got the bounding gag body of Connie Nielsen. I'm like, they're mascara my ass. No, I, I, I took that radio. I take that radio. That the Rizzo was communicating through, playing the horn through. Sure, yeah, yeah. So I got that radio, and I've actually carved out a section of a rock wall, and I've embedded it in there. Power has been, you know, it's wired for sound, uh, and uh, I use it to communicate. And Rizzo's, and I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. So I put Dennis Quaid on from the past. So I talked to Dennis Quaid in the past through that thing. Well, (laughs) (laughs) so you'd be the Caviezel. Is that correct? Is Caviezel well, frequency? This isn't working how I planned, actually. Now, now that you... <laughs> You'd be the Caviezel in this situation. Isn't he in frequency? Is that my right? Yeah, yeah. Caviezel in the news lately. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, Jim Caviezel talking about uh, QAnon conspiracies at uh, some conference about um, 
how people are eating children. I think he was, I, I didn't hear the exact quote, but I think he was he, leaning he, toward conspiracy. He used a term I've never heard before, like some sort of androchroming or yes, something. I don't know how to say something it. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard it either. Yeah. Adrenochrome? I don't keep up with QAnon. Adrenochrome. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why would you? Why would you waste time doing um, that? But Caviezel just disappointing me left and right. The star of the Passion of the Christ, the star of Angel Eyes. Kind of Monte Crisco. Angel Eyes. Good. And then, of course, he played. Ca- what's the movie played, that he did? He played the Catch one? in that movie. <laughs> what's the one he did with Denzel? Yeah, he was the bad guy in it. It was a Tony Scott movie. It was time travel. Oh, Deja Vu. Deja Vu. Hmm. Caviezel. Speaking of deja vu, Jimmy Caviezel has been a piece of shit forever. <laughs> Constant reminder. What a bland fucking piece of shit. Monte Cristo's a great movie, though. Guess what? Not because of him. Yeah, he, he, You know what I'm saying? His face always looks like it's, it's currently having surgery. <laughs> Jimmy C. Yeah. Can you imagine having to work with him? Oh, my God. He goes, yeah, you, you know, I'm not the only one with the initials, JC. <laughs> Played him. <laughs> <laughs> just oh you were in john carter him. oh cool <laughs> he said he's been he, his career's taken a hit uh because he's been so outspoken with um with his views you think because you're a fucking dumbass he, i'm surprised he gets hired at all he's like you know it's like it's a really bad marriage like my views and my lack of charisma it's really hurt my film career uh, uh, uh. <laughs> he does get hired though i mean he does get to be in movies that he and he, you know, obviously he was, was he in the golfer movie too? Bobby mm-hmm. Jones stroke of genius or whatever. And he, and, and of course, every time he has an orgasm, he has to go pop goes Caviezel. It irritates everybody. <laughs> That's an interesting one. What QAnon went full QAnon Jimmy C. Yeah. Well, the, the wing serpent. I mean, Mel Gibson's probably like this guy. He fucked up. <laughs> no, he's not. He's, he's, he's still going to do that sequel. I think they're going to do the sequel. Yeah, yeah. they're going to do the sequel. Jesus 2, right? Is that what they're calling no, it? Jesus 2 no, or no, something? No, Mel Gibson didn't want to pass up their opportunity to work with Jimmy. He learned so much working with Caviezel. Yeah. And just guys dedicated. Um, What am I What am I doing? I'm taking the chair that he throws at that guy's head. I'm not that that nice like hospital pad, you know, like blue and green patterned, barely cushioned chair. Right. With a little blood on it, probably from the bad guy. Unfortunately, he didn't get killed, though, at least. I'm going to take that and plant it in the sand. And then I'm going to try to fish with it, throw it at the fish. <laughs> or you can sit in so it. I'm not going to yeah, sit. Yeah. In, I'm not going to sit in it. I'm just going to try to fling it at the fish and the wildlife of the item. See if I can eat <laughs> finally. So I don't want to starve, you know? Yeah. So like, why don't you make up like a fishing rod or like a rudimentary spear to try? No, I got this. And I just keep flinging the chair at, at like a bird <laughs> squirrel. Yeah. The, squir- the squirrels inhabit my island. I don't know. They could. Yeah, they, they can't. But I hear it at night. I hear a noise and I run out and grab the chair and just fling it in the direction of the noise and hope for the best <laughs> yeah, in the morning. Yeah, yeah, pretty hot. I'm eating like a ladybug because it did it did get that, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you? I already I took the fucking frequency. You, oh, you took the. You, oh, yeah, that's right. But you originally took the bound and gag. Version I mean, that was a tiny deal. I was I was a joke. She, she never was bound and gag. No, no but she I would need her to be because if I she wasn't, she would easily overpower me. So I have to, so I have her bound and gag and I'm making, you know, was, the idea was that, you know, Thermoscura, I got, I got you one better. I got this fucking island of, of, of magic and love. Did she show up in Wonder Woman at 1984? I don't remember. She's amazing in those movies. It's so funny that she's a secret, a secretly good career of like 20 years in film. More. Okay. Probably. Well, overseas and whatnot. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Cause she, she was, I think what she what I don't know. She's Dutch. 
I don't remember what she is. Yeah, I think she is the Bay of uh, Lars Ulrich from uh, Metallica. Did we talk about this before? No. I think they were together for a while. Yeah. So she was. She was the. She was the um, uh, Angie Everhart to his Joe Pesci. You got that right, man. I must know. Make sh- Let me see if I got this one right. She's Danish. She's I'm, I'm Danish. Ra- I'm rarely wrong. Uh, you in the dating? Yeah, you're right. From 2004 to 2012, they were scraping it around and she was in, we we did movies we did the ice harvest that she was in and we did devil's advocate she was in those yeah both those movies right that's right so she's we've done three of her movies so far her first film was a jerry lewis movie you're joking nope one of his like 80s movies yep or in the early 90s those are so bad have you ever seen them no i hate jerry lewis they're incredibly bad i used to, I used to watch them a little bit when i was like in high school or something yeah that was that's a that's a way to come screaming into the business well Gotta start somewhere. She speaks Danish, English, French, German, Italian, Norwegian, Swedish, and some Spanish. A bit of a smarty on our hands here. And then she learns uh, she learns clicks and grunts on my island. <laughs> <laughs>